Welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by J. Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode... Welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. Today, we're going to be talking about both taxes and retirement with my co-host, Eric Burleson. It is really good to be back. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, You've been busy up at the state capitol because uh, the legislature is in session and you serve on the upper chamber side of the uh, building there. But you're home for a week here uh, for spring break. So um, let me ask you this, Eric. What have you done that will matter to our listeners in this legislative session so far? Actually, I think our listeners would be interested to know that we've done some, we've, we've been passing some legislation related to taxes here in Missouri. Tell us about that. What have you done? You know, for years, Missouri has been kind of wrestling with this internet sales tax issue and what to do about it. And this all has to do with the original decision by the Supreme Court about Wayfair, what to do with with the taxes collected by out-of-state entities like Wayfair. And and Missouri is one of the last states to adopt that language, which would allow for us to collect sales tax, for local cities to collect sales tax from companies like Wayfair, which are out-of-state. But in doing so, we always knew we would we, it would be a huge financial windfall, and we didn't want to just grow government just because we could. So a lot of conservatives like myself wanted to take that money and apply it and give it back to the taxpayers in the form of a tax cut. And I'm glad to say that that's what we were able to do. Good. What did you cut? So we were able to cut individual income tax in Missouri by Mm 0.3%. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but to Missouri, that's quite a bit. And it's going in the right direction. We're we're not punishing people for for earning and for, for, for producing. Instead, we're taxing consumption. So that makes the tax. rate, what, 5.5, 5.6 then Actually, after the cut? Yes, and they were adding it onto an original tax cut that we've passed in years years ago. And so it will be at the end of that. And by the time it's all said and done, by the time it's fully phased in, we're looking at an almost full 1% reduction in income taxes. Well, good. So that'll get us down in the 5% range. Yes. Now here's the bad news. Okay. I knew there was going to be another shoot now, fall. The, the bad news is that we, in order to get that, we had to compromise with the moderates and the Democrats who, and the, because they've been fighting this for years, they've never wanted to see a tax cut, but instead what we, what we were able to compromise, what we had to let pass through is a, is a sales tax or a fuel tax on motor vehicles. So uh, an increase of about 12.5% on fuel tax. So we take it out of one pocket and put it in the other. Welcome to government. That's right. Unfortunately, sometimes you you can't always get what you want. But I do believe at the end of the day, this will be a better policy for production, for growing the economy. Well, no, I would probably agree with you on that. Uh, and the problem with uh, the fuel taxes, it is needed because that's how we pay for our roads. 
and we've got a lot of damage uh, on our roads right now, and they're not in the best condition. And if you've driven on those, that's annoying. So right. I appreciate the fact those are going to get fixed. I just wish we could do it with some other form. I agree. Missouri, uniquely, most of our motor, motor fuel taxes are paid for by other other people by mm -hmm. by trucking companies that sure. travel through Missouri. So that's that's probably it gives me a little bit of comfort, but I still didn't support it and won't support that. Well, kind of thing. but Springfield, where we're broadcasting from today, is uh, the headquarters and hub for some major, major trucking companies that's that you right. see all across the country. Uh, you run into prime trucks everywhere. Uh, and those come right about two miles from here is their uh, headquarters hub. And so uh, that does hurt local people as well. So uh, we appreciate the fact that uh, you were able to get us an income tax cut. I'm a bit chagrined to see a tax increase on the fuel tax, but I understand it in terms of the condition of the roads. So I'm going to guess that uh, all together that was a push neutral or a slightly positive for those of us who are casting ballots the next time you are on the ballot. Yep. I should say casting votes, I guess, technically, instead of ballots. But you understood what I meant. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for your work in the state Senate, Eric. We appreciate you. We're glad to have you there uh, because we do know that you are one of, if not the most conservative people in the Senate. And I know you personally and I know your heart. And I know that you're making right decisions to the best degree that you can there. So uh, with that, let's shift gears here and let's talk about another facet of your life. Because in addition to serving in the state Senate, you are a business owner. Now, I want to ask you this question. How would you like to have a $200,000 tax deduction? I would love that. I thought that you might. And uh, I'm going to talk with you today about that uh, $200,000 tax deduction. And it happens to be one that I personally use in my own life. I used it last year. And so today I'm going to unpack that deduction for you. And I'm going to help you understand how our clients use it and how it builds equity in an account for them. And I do just simply call it the $200,000 tax deduction, though some people are able to deduct as much as $300,000. Uh, 200 seems to be about the approximate average amount that a client of ours puts into a plan like this each year. Uh, but depending on the age of the business owner and whether they have any employees, they might be able to put in more or potentially less, but generally always more. And it's all driven by some actuarial calculations. And we'll talk about those a little bit, only a little bit, because that's not exciting to discuss actuarial calculations. But we'll talk about that a little bit as we go on through the podcast. So let's start by understanding what type of an account this is that gets you this deduction. Let me ask you this, Eric. Have you noticed that bell-bottom pants are coming back in? I'm not stylish, but I do kind of understand that, yes, things come back around. Well, bell-bottoms were a thing back in the 70s uh, through the hippie years, and then they kind of went away, but now they're coming back. And that's the same way it is with tax and investment strategies, too. The old has become new again. The past has become prologue. So today we're going to look at an old style of plan that used to be implemented a lot and fell out of favor about 43 years ago, and ignorantly so, and I'll explain that in a moment. But it's a strategy that we actually still use today to create big tax deductions for our clients. Now, when I was a kid growing up, which was in the 60s and 70s, success was defined as, quote, getting a good job with a big company and work there all your life until you get a big pension. And all the focus was on the pension. I remember in the early 80s, 40 years ago, as I was graduating from college, 
one of the things that we were encouraged to do was to go to work for a company that had a good pension plan because not all companies then had pension plans. They were beginning to fade away. And do you know why that was? Well, but, but probably because of the 401k. Yeah, the introduction of the 401k. Now, but you you talking about the pensions. I have a funny story about that. Tell me about it. So in Ireland, it's it you'll see signs everywhere. I haven't been there. My friends who visited there, they thought this was funny and they would tell me about it and take pictures. The signs that would say to women, find yourself a Guinness man. <laughs> and, and the prim, you know, the, but it was all based on the fact that Guinness not only provided good employment, but they provided great benefits for their employees. So it was kind of a double entendre there right. because it looked like they were saying, be sure you run off with a man who drinks this kind of beer. Right. But in reality, they were saying a guy who works for this company has great benefits. That's right. Well, that's, that's right. very interesting. And how appropriate that you brought that up because we're recording this podcast on St. Patty's Day. That's right. So that's that was a, a very point. good job, <laughs> Mr. Oberlison. We appreciate that so much. So, so let me tell you what happened in 1978 that caused some of the benefits, like I was talking about in pension plans, to go away. So in 1978, Congress passed a law that added a provision to the Internal Revenue Code Section 401k. Now, isn't it interesting how these things get named? It could have been any other section of the code. It just happened to be 401k. And that's how the word 401k became a thing in our culture. And when they adopted this, it allowed corporations to begin shifting away from pension plans to 401k plans. Now, of course, the disadvantage for the employee when that happened was that up until that time, the employer had made 100% of the contributions to the pension plan. But the bulk of those contributions to the 401k plan now come from the employee side of the ledger in the form of salary deferrals. And the company just put in a matching contribution, typically somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 to 5%. So this legislation that passed in 78 shifted the burden from the employer making the contribution over to the employee making the contribution. So when that plan shifted, uh, it became a situation where the employers, like those who listen to our podcast, unfortunately threw the baby out with the bathwater because there were a lot of really rich benefits that business owners received from these pension plans. And they gave those up when everyone switched to 401k plans. And so where we're at today is you've got second or third generation business owners who don't even know these pension plans ever existed, let alone that they are or, still available. Or they think that to set one up would be extremely complicated. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's got some hoops you have to jump, but it's not really that complicated. And so they don't know anything about it. They don't know they can. And if they do know anything about it, they think, well, that's going to be a hill that's too hard to climb. And I'm telling you, it's not too hard to climb. We do this kind of work for clients of ours every week because these plans are still available. Now, here's the cool thing about these plans. They can be set up to give a disproportionate advantage to the business owner. And so that's really what we do is we help set up employer benefit plans. You know, you hear about employee benefit plans. We help design employer benefit plans that benefit the business owner disproportionately and give the business owner an advantage over the employees. And why shouldn't the business owner have the advantage? Because they took all the risk. Right. Right. They, they're they the ones that sign loan papers and have to, they, that usually have restless nights, whether or not they're going to be the ones making payroll. 
That's exactly right. I've been on that side of the ledger and understand how that works. They're the ones that sometimes put up their house or their life savings to guarantee the loan they use to start the company. So the employer shoulders a disproportionate amount of risk. Yet when the time comes to set up a typical retirement plan like a 401k, business owners are required to be sure that they're giving the same benefit to their employees that they're getting themselves. It's called highly compensated discrimination testing. And the idea is that you as a business owner cannot discriminate in favor of yourself. You must give your employees the same retirement benefit you give yourself. But here's the big news. When you use an old style pension plan, in cooperation with a 401k type plan, you can tilt the scales back in your favor okay, and give yourself a disproportionate so by, advantage. So by using both? Yes, by right. putting them together in a coupled situation. And that's maybe a little more complicated than what we go into in, in today's encounter. But let me just kind of begin to unpack this in a way that I think you'll understand, give you some numbers to get your brain around this. So here's an example. What if you were able to put $200,000 into a pension plan that was linked to a 401k profit sharing plan as well. And you get to deduct the full $200,000. Now here in Missouri, that would be about an $86,000 tax savings for most of our business owner clients who find themselves maybe in the top tax bracket. If you lived in a higher tax bracket state like California, it could be as much as a $98,000 savings in taxes that you would not have to send to the government, but that you could keep in your pocket instead. So let me ask you, Mr. Business Owner, how would you like to reduce your taxes by $98,000? That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd be for that. Help yeah. me. I want to do yeah. that. So, so think about this. If you put $200,000 into a plan like this and you get a $98,000 tax break for doing so, how much did you really put into the plan? Right. You only put in 102. That's exactly right. Because the government participated in paying for the other half almost of this pension plan for you. Now, here's where it really, really gets cool. Remember, I talked about discrimination and the idea that the employer had to give the employees the same type of benefit that they give themselves. Well, on this kind of plan, the employer is allowed to put their thumb on the scale and tilt the scale in their direction. So of this $200,000 that you put into the plan, roughly 92% goes into an account in your name, and you only have to provide about 8% to the employees. How do you like those apples? Well, if you're the employer, that's fantastic. That's exactly right. And our business is the employer benefits business. Right. We're trying to develop and design plans that benefit employers. So if you had the opportunity that you could set up a plan and put $200,000 a year in, fully deducting the $200,000, saving up to $98,000 in income taxes, and 92% of the benefit would come to you while only 8% of it right. goes to the employees, then is that a plan you'd want to set up? Yeah, then as an individual, as an employer, that would be a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. Then why do I have to arm wrestle so many employers about these kinds of things? <laughs> Because I have to arm wrestle them about everything, I guess. But I'm just telling you, if you're an employer, snap out of it. Wake up. Because this is a really, really, really big deal. Now, as I mentioned, you can actually put in more than 200000 It happens that 200000 is roughly the amount that many of my clients use. But some people put in over 300000 a year. And here's how the final amount is determined. 401k plans are called defined contribution plans. 
Right. Because when we put money into 401k, we don't know what it's going to be worth someday. We only know how much we're putting in on the front end. We have defined the contribution. And the specifics of that are in the amount that you contribute. Now, a pension plan like we're talking about is called a defined benefit plan. So instead of starting with how much you want to put in, the actuary starts with how much pension you need in order to meet your current salary, how much pension are you going to need to create? And then he or she works backwards to determine how much you need to put in. Now, obviously, the older you are, the less time you have to contribute before you retire. So you get to contribute more in order to reach that defined benefit. So if you have younger employees, you don't have to put in as much for them because they're not nearly as highly paid as you are. And they are a long time away from retiring. So the contribution is less. Or maybe they're not even vested. Well, they might not be vested in in the plan as you get it started. That's exactly right. Uh, we do have cases where the employee leaves before their vesting triggers. So you put in some for them, but then it didn't wind up going for them, and it winds up getting distributed back into the plan. And so one of the benefits of this is it works extremely well for employers, business owners who are a little older, you know, people my age or something like that, guys in their 50s and 60s and gals. Uh, If they have younger employees in their 20s and 30s, because the business owner is so close to retiring, the math says, wow, we've got to really shove a lot of money in for him, and we have to shove a lot less money in for the employee. So that's why it works beneficially. Now, remember, when we set this up, 100% of what you contribute is tax deductible. Here's something else that's really cool you might want to think about. If you have a business that you and your spouse own and you don't have any employees, just the two of you, well, then 100% of the contribution goes into accounts for you. And so in some cases, we have clients come to us uh, who actually don't own businesses. I've got one next week, a person calling from out on the West Coast who reached out through the podcast. They'd heard the podcast and they called and said, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And one of the questions they asked, because they could see in their mind where this was going, they were exactly right, is they said, well, I'm retiring from big brand name company that's in the COVID business, by the way. (laughs) They said, "Um, uh, is there any chance as I retire, I might be able to set up some kind of a company and get these benefits? And the answer is yes. In some cases, we actually help business owners set up businesses that have no employees but them and then divert some of the income that they're already receiving into that business so they can create a $200,000 tax deduction themselves, and they'll have a pension with benefits that are only for themselves. Wow. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You never dream, maybe maybe you're listening and you're not a business owner. You say, well, so this doesn't really apply to me. Well, it might. In that scenario, they don't necessarily have to have. They don't have to already own a business. They could. They could create one. Yes. So we can. We can start a business. And so, if you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking, "Well, I, I like the podcast and the things that Barry and Eric talk about," but, but I'm not I'm really not a, a business, business owner, owner so right this now. won't apply to me. Well, maybe it does apply to you, because maybe, maybe, some structure exists that would allow you to start a business that only you and your spouse participate in. And you could divert some of the income that you're receiving from the things that you're doing over to that business, potentially. Right. And then it would allow you to set up one of these plans for yourself. 
So uh, don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are a lot of things that can be done here, and that's why we spend so much time in the front end of our conversations with um, people who have asked us to engage and talk about taxes with them in figuring out who they are and what's really on their mind, because there may be things they've never thought of that they can do, turning a hobby into a business or something like that, that they can actually do on a tax-deductible basis. So when you get down the road, Eric, let's say you've had this plan set up for five or 10 or 15 or 20 years or whatever, and you're ready to retire. You've got a couple of options. You can either begin taking a monthly pension because these are designed as pension plans. So you could say, okay, give right. me my monthly pension check. Which would be safe and and steady. Could be. Right. Could be safe and steady. Yeah, it should be if you if you really pensionize it. But you can also elect to just take the lump, lump sum out and do a tax-deferred rollover into your IRA account. In fact, here's a confession for you. We've never had a business owner client actually take the pension amount in a monthly check. They always wind up doing a rollover to their IRA account. Now, there are a couple of important things that you need to understand about these plans. They are fantastic. They create really large deductions. But to set one up, we have to have it designed by an actuary. And we've got actuaries available. You don't have to go find your own. So we help our clients get that work done. And the cost is typically somewhere between two dollars and $4,000 to have that actuarial work done. And that's not much in light of saving $98,000. If you had a machine where you could put in $4,000 and it would spit out $98,000, how many years in a row would you do that? Attention, Senator Burleson. <laughs> there was a question on the floor for you. If you had a machine that would that you could put four thousand dollars in, right, and it would spit out ninety-eight thousand dollars, how many years would you put that four thousand dollars in? Twenty-four years. Only twenty-four years? I just keep. I'd do it for twenty-four hundred years. I'd do it until <laughs> I was dead. What's the problem? Wake up over there. Any yeah. anytime you got a machine that you put four thousand in, it spits out ninety eight thousand. Yeah, that's, that's true. a good yeah, deal. Just keep it going. So here's something else that's important. This is not a quote one and done end quote kind of account. We only want to set these up if there is a high likelihood that you're going to keep contributing to it for a few years. Because in order for this to work effectively, you've got to fund it annually. You can't be off and on with it in each year. Now, there are some examples of exception that are created. For example, COVID-19 changed things for everybody. And we had clients who pressed pause on their plans in 2020. And they may not actually pick that plan up until 2022 because COVID so disrupted their business. And that's perfectly okay. You can do that kind of thing. But you don't want to launch into this plan expecting you're going to be doing it this year and not doing it next year, turning it on, right. turning it off, and so forth. You only want one of these plans if you're planning to fund it every year. <clears throat> so if your tax or financial advisor has never shown you one of these plans, you really should look at one. And we can provide you a no-obligation analysis that's really quick and easy. We just have to know a little bit about your employees and how much income they make. So the actuary can structure the funding in a way that meets all the regulations. And then we'll be able to show you how much total you can contribute, how large your tax deduction will be, how much you'll save in taxes, and what percentage of that contribution will go to you personally and what percentage would have to go to your employees. And I think you'll like what you see, because remember, we do call them employer benefit programs. 
So if you'd like to talk about how this works and you want to get a no obligation estimate of what you could do, how much you could save, well, then just reach out to us by going to our website, savingyoutaxes.com, where you'll find a phone number to call or an address that you can email, and we'll be able to get a set of numbers for you in just a few days so you can see what kind of immediate tax benefit an employer benefit program like the $200,000 tax deduction might create for you. And you'll be able to see how much you'd have in your IRA when you're ready to retire. So visit us at savingyoutaxes.com to find all the contact information you need so you can reach out to us. Well, that's it for this edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. We hope that you found what we shared today with you helpful. And if you did, we want to encourage you to punch the share button on this episode and share it with a friend whose situation is similar to yours and who might find it helpful as well. You can see all the podcasts by visiting our website, savingyoutaxes.com, where you can also subscribe. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a big green button that'll take you to the podcast page. You can subscribe to each episode, and it will be delivered directly to your listening device hot off the presses. So until next time, I'm Barry Watts. And I'm Eric Burleson. For savingyoutaxes.com, reminding you that when it comes to retirement, if you don't get the taxes right, nothing else matters. Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of SavingYouTaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.